for right now, it's a privilege to, for us to hear from our partners in the gospel in Colombia, South America. Ron and Debbie. Debbie, if you feel like you're going to faint, let us know, okay? And you'll catch her, okay. I'm not going to faint, honest. <clears throat> Thank you so much for your prayers for me last week. I don't know what happened, but after all the exams, I do have a brain, and it's functioning very well. And my heart is functioning very, very well. And uh, I told them the whole time nothing was wrong with me, but they didn't believe me after what all happened. But thank you for your prayers. And I don't say that tritely. I mean it. Thank you for your prayers, for my healing, for our ministry. We are nothing in Columbia without our partnership with your prayers and your, your um, support. And we just thank you so much. We are honored to represent grace in Cali, Colombia. Um, we're sorry that we couldn't be here a part of your missions conference in February, but um, back in August when we found out we were going to be grandparents again, you know we have a new grandson, right? Eli William Stafford. Well, um, when we found out, we went ahead immediately and bought airline tickets so we could get a good flight and very reasonable. We actually used mileage this time. And... Um, it was already set when we were coming home. So this is a continuation. So we're glad that we're here, and we're glad that we can be a part and share a little bit of what God's doing in our lives. Um, did you know that God has a plan and a purpose for every person? An individual plan and an individual purpose for every person. I'm not an accident. And what he began in me, he's bringing to fruition. He is bringing it to pass and will complete in my life what he has for me to do. So regardless if I get sick or what happens in my life where I live, I'm in God's hands. And that's the safest place to be. Um, when I was 10 years old, I went to a retreat at Ridgecrest in Asheville, North Carolina. How many of you are familiar? It's really a black mountain. And my church was there and I was 10 years old and for the very first time in my life, I met a real missionary. And I just thought that was about the neatest thing I'd ever seen. The missionary had a child my age. It was in my class, and I got to visit with her a little bit. And during that week, I got to thinking about missions. And at the end of the week, I surrendered my life to be a missionary someday. Now, at 10 years old, I didn't quite understand that. About 15 years later, we found that Bible that I had written that in, didn't we? My mother and daddy still had my Bible where I wrote the date when all that happened. Now, I'd love to tell you that all through my childhood and my teen years, man, I served God. I was on fire, and I knew what God wanted. No, quite the contrary. But, you know, God never forgot. He still had his hand on me. He still had his hand on me. And he was leading and guiding me because he had a plan and a purpose for my life. Ron and I get married, and uh, while we were first married, he was in the Air Force, and we were very involved in churches, a church there and then other churches later in our lives that were very mission-minded. So we met many missionaries, and during that time, we would get to know other missionaries, and, and it started having an impact not just on my life but Ron, and we felt like maybe God could use us. So when Ron got out of the Air Force, we felt it was time for us to go to seminary to prepare some way 
if God wanted to use us on the mission field. Didn't know where. Didn't have an idea. So we were working in a church in Houston, Texas, and by this time I had two children. No, I was, had one and one on the way. And um, a missionary came through, and he was a missionary in Colombia. And he said, what do you feel like God wants for you? And we said, well, you know, we don't know. We feel maybe called to missions, but we don't know where. And he says, well, are you seeking countries? Well, of course. You know, we just kind of thought, you know, just drop in our lap. All of a sudden, oh, we're going to go to um, China or somewhere like that, Korea. We were praying about Korea because a lot of our friends were there. He said, I want to ask you and challenge you to do something. Would you pray about Colombia for 30 days? We thought. Sure, we don't even know where Columbia is. So we went home, and I kind of remembered a little bit about geography, and we found Columbia on the map. This was pre-internet, pre-everything. You know, you had to go to the library and stuff like that. I mean, it took time. You had to get in your car and go to the library, get a book, and all that kind of stuff. So we found where Columbia was, and we said, well, sure, why not? We'll pray about Columbia for 30 days. He said, well, I'm going to be praying also. So he leaves and goes on his merry way, and we begin praying. Well, at this time, I was pregnant with our second child, Benjamin. And there were three different doctors in the practice, and I went in there one day, and he had a funny name. His name was Hugo Ramirez. And I looked at him. I said, where are you from? He says, I'm from Bogota, Colombia. I said, well, what a coincidence. My obstetrician is from Colombia, and we're praying about Colombia. Then about a couple of weeks later, I had to take my daughter to the doctor, and my pediatrician had a funny name. Eduardo Seguro. I said, where are you from? He said, I'm from Bogota, Colombia. I said, two people, and they're my doctors, and they're from Colombia. Okay, we're on to something. So I told Ron, Ron, you're not going to believe this. Both of my doctors are from Colombia. So we, one day we were driving down the, the freeway, and there was this huge si- billboard sign, and it said, a new restaurant opening with Colombian food off of a certain avenue. I thought, wow, too much is happening. That very night, that very night, we had the TV on. It was a Wednesday night after church. We were watching Hawaii Five-0. You remember that show? It was, I think it's back on again. The old, the old, but one. The old one, the old one. And um, there was a commercial. At that time, you watched every commercial. You didn't do what y'all do now. You know, my, my granddaughter's never seen a commercial in her life. She don't know what they are, you know. So we saw a commercial, and it was Juan Valdez standing there with his burro, and he was talking about Colombian coffee. And we thought, we're on to something now. And you can say that's coincident, but we began to pray. God started bringing things. The Word of God, when we would search the Word of God and start praying, He would bring confirmation. What I've started in you, I will finish. So, most people ask us, how did you end up in Columbia? I wouldn't say those were coincidences. God used that, opened the door. We talked to our pastor after that, and we felt like it was time to take a trip to Columbia. This was 1977. And we had some missionaries in our church who were actually living in Columbia, in Bogota. Was it this man that we had met, another couple? And he contacted them. And Ron and I went for two weeks and to pray to see, God, could you use us here? Can we do this? Can you confirm this? And after two weeks, we were positive God could use us in Colombia. Of course, things go on in your life, and you're always comparing yourself. Can I do it? Will I do it? But in 1981, we arrived in Columbia with three small children. Um, Brian was just barely a year old. So we had three small children under the age of five. And um, 
we got involved working with some missionaries there in their church. And many times I was very frustrated. God's called me to the mission field. What am I going to do? And God kept saying, what about those children at home? That's your mission field. You need to pull back, spend some time with your children. So a lot of times I felt like, well, what am I doing here? I'm supporting my husband, and we're, you know, we're involved with some of these people. I'm building relationships with these people. But many times women, especially mothers, feel like there's so much more. There's got to be so much more. Your children are so important in your life. That is your ministry. For that season, it's a season. It's a season. So through various things that were going on, it was very dangerous the last two years we were there. They were kidnapping uh, foreign children. We felt like in 1985 it was time to come home. We just felt like Ron's father had just been diagnosed with cancer, and it was very unsafe. My children were very American-looking, three blondes, blue-eyed, walking around everywhere. So we came home thinking, we'll never go back to Columbia. You know, God used us, we'll come home. So through a, a series of events, we worked in a few churches in Florida. In 1992, he moved us miraculously to Raleigh, North Carolina. At this time, we were really struggling with some problems with our children. Some of you that know us personally know some of the problems we've had with our children. But everything that happens in our life first goes through the hand of God. I'm a stronger Christian, a stronger mother, and I feel like I can encourage mothers a lot more for what I've walked through with my children in my life. So, Ron, I felt it was time for us to pull out of the ministry for a while and devote some time to the family, to the children. And we thought Raleigh is a great place to raise the kids, great high schools, great colleges, and we'll see what God has. We started attending a church, and there were a lot of Hispanics in the church. We thought, wow, look at here. God's going to bring us some Hispanics. So we just kind of started talking to them a little bit. It had been years since we'd really spoken Spanish. And so at that time also, I was working, teaching ESL at Wake Tech one, two nights a week, and Ron was teaching two nights a week, English as a second language. Well, so many of the students were Hispanic. So it was really neat. It was like all of, all of a sudden, God's touching me again. So we're getting involved. We've been involved in ministry. We were involved in the church. We weren't full-time, but Ron was an elder. I was involved in a ladies' group. We were involved in things reaching out to people, working full-time jobs. And so we decided, hey, why don't we start asking some of these Hispanics to come to our house and let's have a small group. Let's do it in Spanish. Well, try to do it in Spanish. So we started inviting Hispanics over. We met them through church, and they started inviting their friends. Hey, there's a couple, American couple that lived in Columbia. Come meet them. One night in our living room and dining room, we had 40 Hispanics. 20 of them were from Columbia. So it was like God was saying, well, if you're not coming back to Columbia, I'm going to bring them to you. Again, God started dealing with me. God has a plan for my life. God has a purpose for my life. There are seasons in our life of ministry. God was bringing people back. We were seeking God. But I was thinking, I can't go back to the mission field. Oh, man, it's too hard. Got to raise support. I struggled with it more than Ron this time, just thinking, how can I leave this? You know, my kids are grown, we're established, how can we do this? And I finally broke and said, God, use me where you want. So a lot of the Colombians in our home were here in the States for political asylum because their lives had been threatened, and they could not return to Colombia. So we planned a trip in 2002 to go back to Colombia 
to visit some of these families of the people in our group to share the love of Christ. Their children had come to know the Lord. These parents were thinking they were in a cult. What are they doing? They're reading the Bible. They're in discipleship. They're growing. Who are these people? We got to Columbia. We were there about seven days. Ron and I cried almost every day. God had broken our heart again. He was bringing us back to where we started years ago. And uh, I'd love to tell you that all those families are part of our church. But I will tell you one thing. Every one of those families have received the Lord. And they may not, they're not always involved in our church, but they've all received the Lord as a result of their kids praying and the love that we've been able to sh- share with them. So when you go through ministry, when you're involved in work, remember God has a plan, and there are seasons in life of ministry. I'm happier than I've ever been. God has us there for a season, and we want to serve him as long as we can. Now, Ron's going to tell you a little bit about our ministry, but everybody asked, how did you end up in Columbia? So I gave you the, the very short version of how we ended up in Columbia, how we have a love for Columbia, and now Ron's going to share with you a little bit about what we do. Okay, there it is. It's great this morning looking out and seeing you guys and seeing some familiar faces and new faces and people that were probably here the last time but we never got to meet, so we've met some new people. It's That's always interesting. And uh, if I can take just a few seconds, I want to thank um, Jeremy and the worship team. Uh, you guys did an awesome job. Uh, the songs were great. And uh, as I, when I worship the Lord, I, even if I don't know the song, I, I, for some reason I want to shut my eyes and just think about the Lord. And uh, that happened again today, and it's always a wonderful time when we can worship the Lord in a, in a, in a congregation, isn't it? Uh, we don't ever take that for granted. That doesn't happen everywhere. It doesn't happen in many places, really. So I thank the Lord for Jeremy and uh, the worship team. Well, 31 years ago, when we first went to Columbia in 1981, honestly, we really didn't have a clue as to what we were getting ready to do. Um, we, we got a lot of bad information from missionaries about what we needed to bring. They, according to them, we needed to bring everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. I mean beds mattresses they said you need to take a what was it called a betamax and i said what is that i looked up in the sears and robot catalog a betamax was something that you could rent and show movies to your you know family i had no clue i mean you sean was talking about technology and smartphones i have a stupid phone my phone does nothing but make phone calls that's all i want to do with it and uh, now debbie's got one you got a Oh, it's horrible. Anyway, <laughs> sent my first, first text when she was in the hospital. And, you know, they need to make that thing a little bit bigger. I can't hardly see those. Lists. Anyway, I'm from the old school. But anyway, when we went to Columbia, the only thing I was sure that I needed to do was learn Spanish because uh, I thought that everything else we would do would be done like we did it at home in the United States. You know, methods. We would certainly do the same thing there that we do here. That's what I thought. You know, Sunday morning, Sunday evening services, we used to have those. 
Wednesday night prayer and Bible study, we had that. And we even had something called visitation. And we always showed up for that. I'm talking 1981. Well, here we are in Colombia. And for the first four years, we studied Spanish and we worked with a missionary who did think that ministry methods never changed, nor should they. We did ministry the way we had always done it. And you know what? After four years, I observed what I saw was a, a group of, a small group of Colombians with a Western church mentality trying to survive in a third world country that was 98% Roman Catholic and trying to reach people like we always did it back in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Well, needless to say, that missionary nor we were very successful. And the few people we did reach, I'm sorry to say, were just like us. We trained them to, trained them to be and to act just like we were. Honestly, we didn't know much about spiritual gifts. I wasn't even sure they existed because I grew up in a very legalistic church. And so we just sort of made sure these people acted like we did, did things like we did. Um, but you all know methods do change. The way we do things does change. God's word never changes. It's always the same. <laughs> Hebrews says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's awesome because he never changes. The message never changes. It's always the same. So seven years ago, when we returned to Columbia for the second time, we knew we wanted to focus our ministry on and for lack of better terminology, and maybe there's better, Brad could help me with this, I'm forgetting my English, but we knew we wanted to focus on lifestyle evangelism and one-on-one -on -one discipleship. Many of the Catholics that we minister, minister to are very religious people. Just like the Jews kind of worship the law and live their life by the law, many Catholics worship the church and the teachings of the church. Unfortunately, the teachings of the Catholic church are a lot different than the teachings in the Word of God many times. So what we need to do in Colombia is really focus on God's Word. That's what you need to do all the time. The people need to know God's Word. Before they can have a relationship with the Lord, they have to know, know Him through knowing His Word. And so this is, this is essential if we're going to see people transformed spiritually. I like to think world transformation begins where you are, one person at a time. I'm looking out and I'm seeing a lot of students, high school. A lot of you are probably waiting for the missionary. Okay, he's getting ready to say it, and they all say it. Going to give you a mandate to surrender your life to be a missionary. No, I'm not doing that. God's already done that. If you know Jesus Christ, you have a mandate to carry the gospel to every creature all over the world. So how do you do that here? You start here. You do it here. Um, in Kali this year, I've started something different for me. Uh, this Starting in January, I started teaching verse by verse. I love it. I had never really done it before through a whole book of the Bible. I've started in the book of John. We may be in this book 10 years, I'm telling you. I thought I would never get out of the first chapter, but I, I guess you just, it, it's great because you can go back in the future and go through the book of John again with the stuff you missed the first time. But anyway, we're in John. I think when we left, 
we had made it to the middle of John chapter 4. Um, but I'm doing that, and we're continuing to focus on one-on-one uh, -on -one, one -on -one discipleship. And the reason is because Colombians uh, really don't know what the Bible says. They know exactly what their church teaches and what, what, what the priest says. But they don't, know, they don't know the Word of God. I've focused since January, uh, besides teaching verse by verse in 2 Timothy 3.16, which says all Scripture, all of it, every word of it is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I, I use this verse every Sunday, and we talk about maybe it's only a minute, maybe it's only 30 seconds, but it's a verse I want them to memorize, and, and so they're going to memorize that because it's only God's Word that changes people, and it can work in any language, in any culture. It's really the only thing I know of that, that is so all-encompassing. It, it, it can touch any person anywhere. It can change any person anywhere. I mean, that's technology. Something that can touch a person and change their life for the good forever in any language, in any culture. God's word is always involved in transformation. And it's not church tradition or what necessarily the minister espouses that's going to change us. It's God's word. The Bible says we're to search the scriptures and we're trying to teach the Colombians to do that. Well, after they become a Christ follower, in our, in our group, they are encouraged to begin their journey with an 18-week basic Bible study or discipleship ministry, I almost said program too, of, of things new believers need to know. These studies are done by the believer during the week. They, they complete their study on their own, on their own time. It really is only about 30 minutes of time that they have to put into it every week. But then we meet with them that same week that they have finished for one hour, and we go through the study, ask them if they have any questions. Most, of, A lot of times they do. And then uh, we also talk to them. It's more than a Bible study. We, talk, we ask them and talk to them about what God is doing in their life. What, what, what are you experiencing? What are you, what are you living through? You see, it's, we have to build relationships. I really still believe the best way to share Christ with someone is through a relationship with that person where they actually begin to trust you, and, and, and at least they will listen to you. Um, back in the day, in the 70s and 60s, uh, Debbie and I were involved in the bus ministry. You remember that? Bus ministries? We did that. We picked up people on uh, Kirtland Air Force Base, kids that parents didn't go to church. Brought Sometimes on our bus we'd have 75 kids. Church had a large bus ministry. They ran 30 buses. At one, I remember one particular Sunday, we brought in over 2,000 kids in the early 70s. We did that. We worked with young people. Um, we, had a, we, we, we were part of a, a newly married class when we were first married. We still know some people from that class 42 years ago. We don't have much contact with any of them but a couple anymore. But some of those people, some are divorced. Some are still serving the Lord. But that's where the Lord really began to form Debbie and I and, and, and through relationships with people. It's so important. Um, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. 
um, spiritual transformation takes place as people serve the Lord, worship the Lord, and obey his word. An example, we have a new lady in our church named Diana. Diana started attending. She didn't accept the Lord, but we had an activity, and it was a, it was a cookout with a, uh, a baptismal service afterwards. But during the cookout, we had that first. Uh, during the time, we had some praise and worship. And then we've been teaching our folks to write down their personal testimony. Now, in our little church, we don't have anybody in our church that comes from a Christian background. We don't have any, and there are a lot of Christian churches in Columbia. But we, ha- we actually have had no one come to our church from another Christian church. It's actually been awesome. <laughs> Everybody comes with no, they don't know what to expect. They, they really don't have any clue as to how we do things. So Deanna started to come, and, and she would listen and, everything but, and uh, everything. but anyway, so we encouraged our people that knew the Lord to uh, write down a personal, write out their personal testimony of salvation. And then... They had to present it in three minutes. Short. We talk, if they get on a bus, they're not going to have two hours to talk. They're going to have just a few minutes. And uh, many of these people had never spoken in public. They were, they were scared. I said, they did it. They did it. But anyway, so at this, at this um, activity, Monica, we asked her to give her testimony. Well, her basic testimony of salvation, she focused on two things her joy and her peace. And she was excited. She was smiling. She said, I used, she said, I'm a happy type person, but I can't explain to you the joy and peace I have now through knowing Christ. That's all Deanna needed to hear. Afterwards, she went up to Monica and she said, I want what you got. How do I get that? That's what it's about. Um, we've encouraged our folks to use their, begin to use their spiritual gifts in ministry. That means that we have to step back and let them step forward. As I don't know about here. I don't know about the United States. But if the pastor or the leaders are always doing things and never stepping back and giving other potential leaders opportunities, those potential leaders are not going to step forward. Especially in a third world country, they are glad to let the missionary do it. We just stepped back. Last November, we wanted to plan a picnic with a baptism. We had always planned it. We had always tried to collect the money for the food. It was horrible. Colombians are real <sighs> low-key. Uh, you know, we want to have everything done ahead of time. We want to collect the money a week before. None heard of there. They may pay you the day of the activity. Drove my cr- wife crazy. Just, it's just a cultural thing. So we said, this time, one, two, three. You five people are going to plan the activity, everything we do. They were excited. We can, we can do this? Yes. You planned where we're going to do it, what we're going to eat, everything. And I kept thinking, boy, I can't wait to see this. This is, this is going to be interesting. You know what? It was the best activity and the most well-attended activity that we've ever had. It was an awesome opportunity for them to put their gifts into action. Into action. In October of last year, we challenged them to come up with a creative way we could raise money to buy land or a building. We really need a, we need a place to meet. Uh, they came up with the idea. I, Debbie and I were not a part of it. We still aren't. They came up with the idea of a food co-op that would operate within the congregation. In other words, instead of me going to the grocery store and buying eggs, I would buy my eggs through the co-op. 
I could buy them through the co-op cheaper, and the difference would go into a special fund to help purchase a building or a piece of property. The co-op has grown over these months. In the last accounting, I was told we had raised about $400 toward a building or, or property. That's a lot of money in Columbia, $400. Uh, that's, more than we, that's more than our offerings are in a month. And that's just extra money outside of tithes and offerings that we now have. And what's the, the best thing about it all is it's growing. They're adding food, different food things to this thing. And now they've begun to talk to some neighbors involving, involving them. So it's a contact. It's a relationship with neighbors they've never had before. And it's a way they can invite their neighbors to church. They're, they're proud of it, and they've taken ownership. And so we're just stepping back. I think that's a missionary's job a lot of times is we start everything. We do everything in the beginning, but then we begin to just step back. Step back. It's not easy to do, is it, Brad? You got to step back and let people do it. They're not going to do it like you do it. They're going to fumble and fall. So did we when we started. But that's how they learn, and that's how they, and then we just affirm them. You're doing a great job. Thank you. And they just, that, that's, how we, that's how we operate. We affirm their gifts and talents when we get out of the way and let them do it the Colombian way. Um, and that's really everything I wanted to say. If, and I want to say this, if you're thinking, if you're confused or you're just thinking, you know, I, don't, I think God wants to use me, but I don't know where. Don't worry about where. That's not, that's not an issue for you. You don't need to worry about where. Just begin where you are. The where is God's. He'll take care of that. What you need to do is be obedient where you are. If you're obedient and serve him here where you are, he will take care of the where maybe later. Maybe he wants you to continue here. Maybe he says, you know, I think I need to use that person in Africa. That's, that's God's issues. It's not an issue for him. He knows where. We have to be obedient. And I want to close, if it's okay with Brad, I want to read a passage of Scripture from Colossians. This morning I was reading through Colossians, and I agree with Brad. It's what an awesome book. But in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Brad? Thank you very much, Ron and Debbie. I, I would encourage any of you <clears throat> who are thinking through 
the possibility of serving the Lord outside of the country to talk with Ron. Even if he thinks you're a high school student, go ahead and talk to him. Some of you seniors in college who are about to graduate, high school scattered in this area here, um, <clears throat> middle school all over the place. But, but what Ron said is so important. I think probably the number one question that, that younger, younger people, men and women, boys and girls have <clears throat> about God's will is where? <clears throat> that is at least after who am I going to marry? Beyond that, it's where am I supposed to serve? And, and, and the biblical response is exactly as Ron has stated. Don't worry about where. God will take care of that. You just serve Him right where you are right now. <clears throat> We're going to close with this. Listening to Ron, what are three ways we can pray for Ron and Debbie? Three ways. Somebody just jump in. A church building. They need a building, don't they? We need to pray for that. <clears throat> Relationships. And again, a word for us. Did, I mean, think about it. 80% of people who come to church for the first time come because somebody they know invited them to come. One other way. Health. Pray for Debbie's health especially. Um, <clears throat> but, but both of them. Um, it's uh, interesting that neither one of them shared about their own particular financial needs, but support is always an issue for missionaries. So it's, an, it's a great privilege for us to partner with them in the way that, that we do and for them to partner with us the way that they do. We are spreading the gospel in Colombia through Ron and Debbie. They're part of our family. So get to know them after the service uh, interact with them if you would, especially if you've got questions about serving on the mission field, no matter what your age. Let's stand together. If you would, I'm going to pray, and then Mike Moneypenny will lead us in our benediction. And Ron and Debbie will be in the back, um, <clears throat> so speak to them there if you will. Our Father, uh, we thank you so much for calling us to yourself, and we thank you for the process that we've talked about all day of world transformation and how, Lord, it goes on all over the world. And, and, and it goes on in different ways than it did years ago. Uh, and so, Lord, help us to understand the times and act accordingly, recognizing that the message never changes. Father, uh, bless Ron and Debbie Stafford. Thank you for their faithful, tireless service and their sacrificial service, ways that they give themselves to you and to others. We are so grateful. We pray for all of the needs that have been mentioned today, including, Lord, a car. I pray that someone this afternoon would just get in touch with Sean Cross and say, hey, we've got a car that they can use for their time here. Uh, we do want to pray, Lord, for a building in Cali. And, and, and this seems almost... Um, too great to think for, but it, it's, it's a small matter for you. And we pray that, that you would give them a building. We pray for these relationships that are building uh, in Colombia. And we pray for the health of our dear friends, Ron and Debbie, who are at a place where they could certainly say it's time to shut it down, time to retire. But just like Roy and Margaret and so many others we know, 
Their hearts are for serving you continually. So we pray for strength, for health, for peace. We thank you for the gospel. We pray that you would cause every one of us to share it right where we are. In Jesus' name, amen.